The Green Bay Packers want to take a tight end in this draft class. They need to take a tight end in this draft class, maybe two, maybe even three. So where should they find these guys? What is the profile of the kind of player that has success in the NFL? We ask someone who has studied this and he has some thoughts. Plus, why the biggest jump from the Packers from last year to this year is going to come from guys already on the roster. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Really Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Set. Your team Bob. every day. Touchdown! You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for the lead. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Kevin Cole on the show today from Unexpected Points, formerly of Pro Football Focus. That's where I first connected with his work. He is a really smart guy, and I think he does a really um, good job of taking dense ideas and even dense methodologies and says, this is this is the real like this is the stuff that you actually need to know. He you don't need to like learn how he does regression analysis or anything like that. No, here's what the data tells us. Um, And and I think the conversation about trying to project tight ends and what it tells us and what it importantly, I think, doesn't tell us is really a lot of fun. I want to start today, though, with this conversation that I've been wanting to have for a long time now. And I thought as we get closer to the draft, it was really important. And as we, you know, kvetch about the the draft capital and all of the, the leverage and the nonsense and the draft haul that the Packers got from the New York Jets. I need to remind you, because I have not done it often enough over the course of the last few months. It was something I did often when the team was really good and it felt like they were one or two playmakers away. Most rookies are bad. Most rookies are bad. Now, the Packers, you know, they move up in the first round. That's good. They get the extra second round pick. That's good. They are now in a better position today than they were three days ago to get some good players because more bites at the apple, more top 50 picks in particular, give them more opportunities, more chances to hit on a guy like Christian Watson or a guy like Devontae Adams, who at least showed flashes as a rookie, a guy like Nick Collins, who can start from day one, Greg Jennings, Jordy Nelson, who took some time, but you can you can find guys. Then there are other times. I think Jordy Nelson is actually a great example. It took him really four years before he was a, a, a bona fide part of the offense. The, the positions where the Packers need help. Receiver. Well, they drafted two last year. Interior defensive line. Well, they used a first round pick on one last year. There are questions about the future of the offensive line. Well, there's a top 100 pick who could not even get on the field last year. The run defense is still a problem. Well, they used the 22nd overall pick on a hyper-athletic linebacker. Oh, what's the future of David Bakhtiari? Well, Zach Tom might be the future 
of David Bakhtiari, frankly. And so those guys, certainly in the case of Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Quay Walker, and Zach Tom, they got real reps last year, meaningful reps, and in various amounts showed genuine promise. Devontae Wyatt, in very small samples, showed genuine promise. Christian Watson is going to be expected to come in this year and be their wide receiver one. We saw over the second half of the season, you can build a good offense around Christian Watson as your wide receiver one when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback. Now, he didn't play great. I've said that over and over. In fact, he played below average, not just by his standards, by NFL standards. But he was able to be the passing engine. Romeo Dobbs, for the first six weeks or so of the season, was essentially your wide receiver one. Alan Lazard, he had some big games too, but when they needed it, Romeo Dobbs was their guy. Those two players are going to be, at the very least, two of the top three or four guys by targets this year. They need to be better this year than they were last year, and they can be because the biggest leap we see guys make is from year one to year two. If Christian Watson takes an incremental step forward, we're talking about one of the like 15 best receivers in football. If Romeo Dobbs take, takes an incremental step forward, we're talking about a, a quality, complementary receiver. That's really important for this team. Devontae Wyatt is going to be your starter in all likelihood. He needs to be your starter because you need to take those Dean Lowry snaps. You have now flushed them down the toilet. You could make the case that they were being flushed down the toilet last year and he was on the field. Now, can you play like a first round pick? At least in, in fits and starts, in spurts. Show the 12 snap stuff when you're getting 90 plus PFF grades. Now show that over 30 snaps, over 40 snaps. If he can do that, he becomes a very valuable piece and an enormous upgrade, likely a bigger upgrade over anyone they will take in this draft because, and I cannot emphasize this enough, most rookies are bad. Zach Tom is going to be expected to start for this team. I think it is intuitive to expect he will be better, and he was good. One of the best pass-blocking offensive linemen, tackles at least, in the league last year, and the best pass-blocking rookie. The best. As a day three pick, he has the athletic profile. This is not smoke and mirrors. He has the bona fides. Go back and watch the tape from Wake Forest. Go back and watch the tape of how he handled pass rushers last year. There's a reason he got the job over Yash Nyman eventually. He's probably going to be called up upon this team to start. And that means he could be better, certainly than Royce Newman was for the first month of the season. He can be better than... Yash Nyman was because he ultimately replaced Yash Nyman. And so that can be a meaningful upgrade for this team. Quay Walker in year two, he had some games in the second half of the season where he was the Packers' best defensive player. All over the field, we saw the speed. We saw the instincts going downhill. If he can get the temperament a little bit dialed back, if he can focus that energy. Because I love a, I love a linebacker who is a crazy person on the field. Mike Singletary was an absolute psycho. Ray Nitschke was a, we know Ray Lewis, these guys on the field, they were, they were like outside their minds. 
That's, that's great. You almost need that at the position. If he can channel it a little bit better, he has all of the physical tools to be a very good, very useful, very versatile linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, you could get a pass catcher in the first round and they could be really good. Receivers are more ready than ever to come in and contribute. Tight ends are not. You get a pass rusher. Okay, great. Big 12 pass rusher. You get an Anadike Uzoma or you get Keon White from Georgia Tech who's coming in from the ACC, not, not necessarily facing the same sort of quality of talent. It will be an adjustment period. It will take time. If they take one of these raw upside pass rushers, it's going to take adjusting. They are not going to give you right away what a Devontae Wyatt in year two could. And this is not to temper expectations. I want I want you to be excited about the draft. I'm really excited about the draft. This is not at all to say, like, don't expect these guys to be good. Understand what history tells us about rookies. And it's great to be excited because rookies are not just what they are in year one. Rookies are so much more than that. Rashawn Gary has proven that. Aaron Rodgers has proven that. And we'll see if Jordan Love is able to prove that. We're going to get to Kevin in just a second. Before we do, today's episode brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built is my go-to every single day, almost. I had one yesterday. I'll have one today. I had one the day before that. Right now, I've got the coconut puff flavor. I've got the mint chocolate flavor. They taste like a certain other famous chocolate mint cookie that you might be familiar with. Uh, And they have all of the macros that you're looking for. The grams of protein, 17. That's big time. And yet we're talking about something that has four grams of sugar and just 130 calories. So you can go to built.com and buy yourself some today. I I just did. I need to restock. I've got, I've got the new flavor. They had, they had the peanut butter launch coming. Just snagged those cookies and cream puffs. Yes. I grabbed those. You can go to your local Walmart, your local Sam's club now, and you can get yourself a box. You don't have to wait for the shipping at built.com, which by the way, it usually gets here in a blink. But if you want today or you're out running errands, Walmart, Sam's Club, get some, get some, and you can thank me later. Join Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, and Locked On NFL experts on Locked On NFL Scouting YouTube page for live NFL draft coverage presented by Ultimate Football GM. Kyle and Joe will be live during all rounds one, two, and three, and then on Saturday, they'll get you caught up after each round. Join the draft dudes for the first round tomorrow night live on YouTube and on Locked On NFL Scouting at 7.30 East. Joining me now from Unexpected Points, formerly of Pro Football Focus, Kevin Cole. And Kevin, you did a, a really interesting study on tight ends recently on, on traits that translate on um, how we can think about this class in particular. I'm going to dig into all of that cool stuff. Let's start with your starting point for this piece. What were you trying to find and and how did you go about trying to find it? Sure, sure. I mean, I compare it somewhat to some research I've done on quarterbacks where for wide receivers, for running backs, and some of this goes all the way back to doing a lot of work in the fantasy football space, trying to project those those guys coming out, skill position guys coming out. Um, You have enough prospects and enough guys on the field. They rotate at running back. You can have up to three wide receivers on the field at a time to build a decent sample to try to go through and like model out uh, in an algorithmic sort of way who's going to be good, who isn't going to be good and do that sort of things. 
it's it's really difficult to do that for quarterback and for tight end. I mean, for quarterback, it's mostly you look at draft position and then you maybe sprinkle some other things in there. And then, you know, Josh Allen comes in and just blows everything up so that you, can, <laughs> so that you realize that you, you have no idea what you're doing. Um, for tight end, I think it's similar. It's probably even more difficult in the fact that draft position has not been as strong of a signal. We've seen lots of first round guys not do as well. And then we've seen some of the elite tight ends that we have. I mean, there are even fewer of them than there are for quarterback, really. Maybe we're talking about Kelsey, Kittle, you know, Mark Andrews could pop up there. Waller plays well sometimes, but there just isn't that much to to really go off of. So but with all that in mind, I said, okay, let's not try to like model it out because it's not going to work that work so well. Let's try and figure out just bucketing based upon percentiles, different types of stats. Look at how tight ends win in the NFL. And to see what may translate through, because generally tight ends just are not being used the same way in college as they are in the NFL. Even if you have a George Kittle on your roster, you're only going to have him for a year or two, possibly. Um, College coaches are not going to like turn over their whole system, knowing that there's a 99% chance the next tight end who comes in is not going to be able to do what George George (laughs) Kittle can do. So I try to figure out based upon limited on what they could do. And you Except know, Iowa definitely- somehow they just keep churning out these guys who are just like really, really good. <laughs> yeah, in, they, in what is break. what is otherwise a terrible offense? <laughs> they break the mold as far as that's concerned. But you know, George Kittle like barely did did anything as far right. as his college production. There's a reason that he was a fifth round pick, even though he completely destroyed the combine and everything like that. So I try to figure out what what are tight ends doing in the NFL and what sort of traits can we maybe figure out from that. One of them is is after the catch. So. Guys like Kelsey and Kittle, not Mark Andrews as much. He's actually used a little bit more down the field than, than you would expect for tight ends. But most of the time, even Rob Gronkowski, who was a you know yards per reception type of guy, are generating a much higher percentage of their yardage after the catch than most wide receivers. Kind of like slot receivers a little bit in that sort of way. So they tend to have those sorts of traits of being able to generate yards after the catch. And then also PFF tracks avoided tackles, which I think is maybe even a little bit stickier or more translatable in some ways than just looking at yards per after the catch because sometimes the equivalent play could be five yards after the catch if there happen to be no defenders there or if you're close to the end zone versus 50 yards after the catch whereas you know for the avoided tackles you're getting that so i looked at that and i noticed hey the guys who are generally good in the nfl were outperforming on, on those metrics you know there's a range but they're normally outperforming on both of those metrics and then i also you know, just looked at purely at speed. And it's something where agility is something that also comes up. But speed is something where you get a larger database of testing numbers, you can go back a bit further. I think the accuracy is probably a bit higher than it is when they're timing the three and cone drill and other things. So it's just simply looking at these sorts of things and say, hey, if you have guys who hit the thresholds in avoiding tackles hit the thresholds in speed, especially short area speed, and the 10 yard split there, because we're mostly playing the game within 10 yards in the NFL. Hey, those guys end up being pretty, pretty good in the NFL, regardless of where they were drafted. So why not at least look at those types of metrics and keep those in mind when you're deciding who to draft at tight end? Because we're so bad, at least we have been at rank ordering them in the NFL draft. I want to ask you about that piece of it, because I went back and looked. I had I had for a long time been don't take a tight end in the first round. All the data says and PFF has done some really good studies. And I don't, I don't know if you were there when they when they did some of those draft history studies and were a part of those. but we're really bad at figuring out who is good and who is bad. We meaning the NFL, right? And so I've just sort of been like, this. it's not worth it in the first round. 
Then I went back and looked. And since 2000, there's only been 25 first round tight ends. That's a really, really small sample. So what do you make of any, any of these like sample bias and, and, and issues that could crop up there? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is an issue. There's there's no doubt that it's an issue that we just haven't had a lot. And there have been some big successes in the first round. I mean, I think Tony Gonzalez was a first-round pick. Yep. Vernon Davis was a first-round pick. There have been guys who have done very well. Jeremy Shockey is another one. Yeah, yeah. So there have been guys who have done well coming out of there. It's just it's just really hard. It just it aligns with, and this maybe goes back to what I was hinting at earlier, like what we're able to digest from college evaluation, this is not just stats. I think this is also tape evaluation. It's just really hard to translate that to the NFL, the tight end position, the hardest of any skill position, because they just aren't doing what you'd expect them to do in in the NFL a lot of the time. They are just a cog in a system most of the time there. And when you think quarterbacks, you know, aren't doing what they're necessarily going to do in the NFL, and the NFL has kind of adjusted a bit for that, it's even more so here. And it's really one of those things where um, you, you just have to say, just have to have less confidence in that, in that kind of rank ordering. I think that's the important part. It isn't necessarily saying, let me look at these other types of metrics. And now I'm going to be overconfident in those metrics. And I'm going to say, you know, Sam Laporta, maybe I'm skipping ahead a little here, has to be tight end one because he looks so good in these, in these sorts of metrics. It's more like, don't threaten me with a good time, Kevin. Yeah, they're they're all they're all pretty good. So if anything, maybe for me, it would be more like a a staring contest with some other teams and just say, I'm not going to be the one to jump at someone. uh, Let's say at the 15th pick uh, uh, for 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 a tight end. Let's just say, yeah, Uh, when when possibly, you know, another round later, I could get someone who's only marginally worse as far as their ability to, to hit at that point. Whereas at other positions, and this is when it becomes like all an opportunity cost sort of thing, mm-hmm. moving from the first to second round, when we talk about an edge player, when we talk about a tackle, uh, players that you can evaluate much better. I mean, these are isolated type of interactions that are having on the field that you can isolate much better. It just makes sense that we would be better rank ordering those types of players. So this is, and and to your point about the adjustment of scheme with a quarterback, you will build your whole offense around the strengths of your quarterback. It makes sense to say, hey, Robert Griffin, those things you were doing at Baylor, let's try them in the NFL. You're not going to do that with a tight end because you just can't really, unless they're that Kyle Pitts level, elite, elite, elite kind of guy, you're just not going to say, we're going to you know schedule our whole offense around you. But so that leads us to a really interesting place. The really, really good tight ends are really, really valuable. I, you've, you've done some, some great um, data work on the value of Rob Gronkowski and what he brought and, and some of the value that is not showing up in the stat sheet because he was such a dominant blocker as well. It seems like having a really, really good tight end is really, really valuable in a way that, say, having a really good running back or a really good guard is just not in the same way. And so you can make the case, okay, it makes sense to try and use premium draft assets to get that guy. But then we run into this point that you've made that, well, it's really hard to project them. And and traditionally, we're really bad at it. So how do you reconcile those two things? Yeah, I mean, I think for tight end, it's it's not unique, but it's very different than other positions because it's normally a slower developing position. Now, I think it could be a bit faster, maybe if teams were said, we're just going to, you know, put you out in the slot a bit more and not have to uh, be so responsible for, you know, pass blocking a defensive end and things like that. That's going to take a little bit more time to get used to bulk up, maybe a little bit more when it comes to run blocking, things like that. So it's a slower developing position. So the value on the rookie contract 
it's going to be up and down for, for some different some different players. I think where the value really comes in tight end is if you do hit on one of these elite players. And again, it's it's a pretty small group. You're probably not going to do that. It's players. just the reality. So yeah. Yeah. So it's a big if you're if you do hit on them. I think the value you're getting, the surplus value you're getting on their second contract is probably unmatched in the NFL because wow. of the franchise tag more than anything else. I mean, the franchise tag is calculated based upon the top five players at the position. There just are never top five, five elite tight ends in the NFL. If they are, their contracts are staggered when they were signed. So they're just perpetually behind the curve when it comes to how much money that they're making. If you look at the amount of money, you know, Gronkowski was making, Kelsey was made, has made over their careers, Kittle makes with this contract. You have that as leverage when you're a team for a position that gets injured a lot too and doesn't necessarily um, – stand up the test of the test of time when it comes to that you can come to a player after his third season and say hey we're going to give you this better than franchise tag sort of contract you're going to lock it in if you're a fifth round pick like kittle you've made nothing your entire career to that point right. and you're able to get them at really really great values there so i think that's where where the value really is now as far as how you bring all this together um i would say maybe volume over premium picks might be a way of doing it I don't really have the the data. They're, I'm not inside NFL buildings to really tell how quickly they're able to identify that they've hit on picks. But I know for other positions, you'd be surprised that, you know, all this evaluation, all this tape watching, all that everything else that goes on, there does seem to be something, at least I've heard for wide receivers, where almost a couple of weeks into rookie camp, they're like, I can't, this guy's, he's done. Like, I can't, <laughs> I can't really deal with this guy. So maybe if there's a similar phenomenon with tight ends, just saying, you know what, if we, if we throw a second round pick at a tight end and a third round pick at a tight end or a couple third round picks at a tight end. Um, just be willing to write off in some of those circumstances, knowing that if you do hit on one, you're going to have a value at that very low rookie contract. And you could probably extend them for an extremely valuable contract. Yeah. All right. We're going to get back to Kevin in just a second. But before we do, I want to remind you about our locked on NFL mock draft special. It is here and bigger than ever. Follow along all 32 teams first picks in a six episode ultimate mock draft experience. Only Locked On can deliver all episodes available now on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. I had a blast doing this as Brian Gutekinds made a big trade. Still got the player that I think the Packers are trying to target here. I put that episode or at least that clip in an episode um, earlier. And so if you if you missed that, go check out the full mock. It was an absolute blast to do go check that out yeah to your point the franchise tag for 2023 for tight ends was 11.3 million for receivers it was almost 20 19.7 so we're talking about half the cost on the franchise tag half the cost on a second year on a second contract and to your point on just throwing basically throwing money at the problem the patriots did this in the 2020 draft they drafted two tight ends neither of them worked and a year or two later they had to spend a lot of money on johnny smith and well they didn't have to right and hunter henry because they felt like this position they they needed help there and so it's just it's it's really it's really really tough okay let's we've we've gotten the preamble out of the way which i think was really valuable and i don't want to you know diminish it but the reason people are here is they want to know Who's going to be good in this draft class? Um, the data that you put together for this class is really interesting. Um, what did you find about this class? Well, I mean, I found as most people 
are saying that this is a very strong class. Uh, not only when it comes to so the, the the tape watching stuff, the the draft estimated draft positions that we're seeing for a lot of these guys, but again, on these metrics that I'm looking at, whether they're good at avoiding tackles, whether they're good after the catch, whether they're athletic, and I think we heard a ton of buzz around the combine about just how athletic this tight end class was. I mean, it's all true. Um, but what I would say is, in a weird way. Uh, Again, it comes back to this like not blinking first in the staring contest sort of way. And I think some people have thought about this with wide receiver in the past. It's like, well, if we know we can get someone pretty good later, then maybe it actually loses some of their value earlier. It's one of these like maybe it sounds galaxy brain ish, but if there's a run, then there's a run. If there's a run, there's a run. So then you have to react to that. But um, even so, I think there there are a number of tight ends in this class. I mean, probably half a dozen at least who probably could end up being, you know, an elite tight end or an adjacent to elite tight end, which still has a lot of value in the NFL. So I think you mentioned one of the guys who stands out here in a, in a way that has not that does not match his pre-drop buzz. That's Sam Laporta. Let's I'm going to get to the, like the discount guys in a second. What did your model find uh, about the two top guys, Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid? Yeah, so I, th- I think Mayer is someone, and again, I had to end up adjusting some stuff here. I had some 10-yard split information where his 40 is like a little bit above the 50th percentile, coming around the 60th percentile, which is okay. Um, and his 10-yard split. Now, initially when I sent this out and everyone started uh, crapping on Mayer because of that, which is not my intention, but it, it ended up happening. No, nope, you that- hate Michael Mayer. We've all, we, all, we all know it, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, my fault, my bad here. Actually, NFL is bad. You, you think um, you think Game Pass and trying to trying to find videos is bad on there. Now they're hitting us. Oh, again. it is it is very bad. <laughs> now they're hitting us with ten yard split, which I guess they never updated the unofficial times, is what I'm hearing on their website. So it said one six six on the website. It's actually one six one, which puts them right around that sixtieth percentile. So I think it's that combined with his other uh, measurables. He's not the biggest guy. He doesn't have the longest arms, obviously, for for catch radius. His broad jump was under 10 feet. His vertical jump was 32 and a half inches, which are, you know, like meh sort of numbers. Yep. His agility numbers were fine, although that's, you know, it, it, it wasn't, he really did not. Better at his pro day. He, he, he ran a three cone in under seven seconds at his pro day, which is pretty, pretty good at 250. But pro yeah, day numbers yeah, so it's much better at the pro day than it was, than it was at, at the combine where I think it was 7.26. So, you know, he, he's, he's, he looks good enough. Um, so I don't think I'm, I want to take him out of, of the picture, but I guess it's just by these metrics. He's not necessarily separating himself. And even yeah. when it comes to avoided tackles, he was about in the 75th percentile, which is, which is plenty good enough here. Again, it's just really like, are we so certain that he's the top tight end? And if we're not certain, if we think that he could be the third or fourth, then the middle of the first round just seems rich to me. So then there's this second tier of guys and the second tier of guys performs particularly well. Sam Laporta, Darnell Washington. I, I saw a, a tweet from Scott Barrett the other day that that had on a per reception basis, Darnell Washington like led this class in explosive plays and, and, missed tackles like this slew of metrics and it was just sort of like yeah i mean he's a freak athlete what did what what do you see there that i think underscores the point that you're making of like hey let's wait because it makes more sense to grab some of these guys on day two yeah yeah i just i just don't see any reason why you necessarily would prefer mayor to either one of those guys i mean i guess i would lean a little bit more towards laporta even above washington because of the fact that he scored a little bit better in these metrics and i guess i don't 
I don't care as much about size. I think maybe from an NFL perspective, we're talking again, we're talking about run blocking. We're talking about those things. Um, either I just don't get it <laughs> like, or it's like, let's face it. The guys we think are the best tight ends are not, are not necessarily the run blocking guys. Yeah. We could say Kittle's a great run blocker, but in some ways, if it's taking him out of the passing game um, or if you're in a run dominant offense or if it's leading to injuries, which I think it also is probably more taxing on the body to push against another NFL player. I mean, let's yeah. face it, like a, normally an offensive lineman has like a 30 to 50 pound advantage on who he's he's run blocking against. It could be the flip side for some of these um, not the flip side, but it could be, a, a, you know, lower. Obviously, they're, they're lower. Yeah. Some of the tight ends in there. I think there's a reason Travis Kelsey in the NFL has been much more durable than Rob Gronkowski. He does not spend nearly as much time banging bodies inside. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like even for, for Gronk, like if he, of course he had back problems going all the way back to, to, to college, but if he could, his value as a receiver was so, so high. And I know there's always this thing of, you know, you want to have, you know, dual value in both games and to not tip off defenses, things like that. I think that's a, probably a little bit overhyped. And I guess even for someone like Laporte, I think size may be his concern. But for me, it's not really a concern. It's more like I feel good knowing that he's probably not going to be doing too much blocking in some ways. I, I, I think that makes sense. What is interesting to me about the Packers is they have always been a team that has said, we're fine waiting till day two, like infamously or famously, depending on your perspective, we will wait till day two on receivers. We do not care about receivers in the first round. And now it seems like they have a lot of interest in taking a tight end in the second or in the first round. And yet that would go counter to all of the, the things that they have, I think, again, rightfully thought about this. So if you're if you're going to advise the Packers on all of this, how would you go about saying this is what makes sense like think about this you're you know you have like you said some of that fantasy football background too we think about this in fantasy drafts all right i want to find my tight end here i think this is where the value is if you're advising the packers what is your what is your game plan for them i mean i'd say you know pass in the first round i sorry guys so don't don't be the first one to turn the card. don't be the first one to turn the card there um i also saw it was very interesting like peter king had a had a mock today where i think he had mayor going to the, the giants yeah, going to the Packers. And one of the things was like to help Jordan Love. I, I mean, tight ends aren't really that great in year one. I mean, it's possible to be great in year one, but I don't think it's even necessarily a thing. Um, I mean, maybe I'd go back in time and and like go side because it is looking pretty bleak as far as the depth chart is concerned um, at tight end. So, you know, that that could have been an option. Uh, I'm not sure if there's anyone out there at this point in time since some free agents are yeah, a not little really. cheaper there. <laughs> um, but I would say it's maybe on day two, you know, day two, so maybe even the second round, look for someone. If they all get off the board before the second round, then just be willing to use multiple picks on the position from that point forward. And um, like I said, there are a lot of guys here. I mean, as far as hitting the the 50% and these, again, these are fairly arbitrary thresholds here. Uh, the 50% threshold for avoided tackles and speed in this class, we have seven different tight ends who hit that there. And we also have guys who had production and that doesn't even include Dalton Kincaid who didn't test. And I assume that he would test well enough. Yeah. Um, although he's someone, can, can you just I give him, like can you just that. give us those seven names just so people have them? Sure, sure. So yeah, so Luke Musgrave is on here. Zach Koontz is on here. Uh, Will Mallory, Tyler Kraft, Darnell Washington, um, Sam Laporta, Michael Mayer, all all hit there. Did I hit them all or did I miss? Yep, one? I think that makes. I think that was seven. Yeah, so they're all on here. Oh, also Strange from from Penn State. He's on. He's on here too. Um, 
And a lot of these guys, if you look at where they're estimated to go in the draft, we're talking about day three type of picks. Um, Someone will probably move up and there'll probably be some guys taking tight ends, a pretty unpredictable position when it comes to who ends up jumping up into the third round. So that'll probably end up happening. Um, But I think you're going to be able to find some of these guys. Kevin, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Where can people find this? Because you, you wrote a whole post on this. Where can you where can they find the work that you're doing? Sure. It's at unexpectedpoints.substack.com. I come out with a few articles a week, a few research articles. I try to mix in some free ones there for the, you know, I respect the freeloaders who are on there for for their subscriptions there. Um, I also do an interview once a week and normally like a wrap up Q&A type of pod at the end of the week where I talk about whatever's happening in uh, the football world, what things are are making me annoyed that I'm hearing from people <laughs> and, you know, just answer questions from random YouTube uh, uh, listeners who are who are tuning in. So uh, all of that's available on the Substack. Continue sting things through the summer, have a little bit of a fantasy football tilt towards it, but also trying to really stick to the quote unquote analytics and my takes in that in that regard. Kevin, this is great. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thank you. All right. And thanks to Kevin for joining the show. Always great to talk to him. I think there's some really interesting stuff in there. I'm fascinated to see how the Packers handle the tight end position. I still think um, there's a chance that that they're trading down and, and they're going to get a tight end in the first round. Is it what I would do? It's probably not what I understand it. Yes. And Brian Gutekind said yesterday that need bleeds into how you stack the board. And so if you need a tight end, you might stack a tight end a little bit higher because the board is really about preference. Where I would take this guy relative to this guy. I would rather draft this guy than this guy. And even if the grade is a little bit higher or lower, I think the tiered draft approach is the way to go. So, okay, we've got first round grades on all these guys. Well, bang, let me get this tight end. I think that that is, frankly, a smart way to handle the draft because it is not just about best player available and grades. It is about the player that can most impact your team over the life of their rookie contract. And sometimes that might be a tight end. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow to get you set for the 2023 NFL draft. Remember, we are going live Thursday night after the draft. After the draft, not after the Packers pick. After the draft because I think there's a chance the Packers pick twice. And there's a decent chance that that happens. There is a real possibility they have been looking into it. So after the first round, then we will do it on Friday night after rounds two and three, and then back with you, your regularly scheduled programming to recap everything from around the draft on Monday. We'll jump into our rookie orientation series, getting to know all of these players or as many of them as we can get to. And um, we're going to have a lot of fun in the coming weeks. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, like Thursday night, like Friday night, like we did when Aaron Rodgers was traded, you can do that on our Locked on Packers YouTube page so you can stay Locked on Packers.